Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 17. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. Good evening. My name is Jason, staff pastor here at Grace Downtown, and we're so glad that you've chosen to worship with us. If this is your first time here, we are really glad that you're here with us. If you're new to Iowa City, welcome. We're glad that you're here in town, and we are looking forward to meeting you. We want you to know as we kick off the semester here what we are about as a church. Uh, We are a group of people that want to know the gospel, believe the gospel, and share the gospel because we believe that the gospel is good news for us and for others and for the whole world. And so uh, that's what we're about here. Um, And that is um, not only what we're about in what we say at the beginning of the service, but it really comes from God's word. And here tonight, we are going to take the next couple of weeks as we bridge between our series through the book of James and before we start off First Peter, Labor Day weekend, telling you a little bit about what we are about. Tonight, we're going to talk about what it means to be people of the word. Uh, another way we've put it here at Grace is people of gospel truth. What does it mean to be people of gospel truth? And then next week, we're going to look at uh, what the body of Christ is, what we belong to when we are found in Christ. I don't know if you guys remember what it was like when you moved to Iowa City. For some of you, um, it was recent. For some of us, it's been many more years than that. But when you move to a new community, it can be very disorienting. You don't know where anything is. Um, I'm from Kansas City, and in Kansas City, I kind of know where everything is. I know where to go. I know how to get around town. But when I moved here to Iowa City, I didn't quite know how to get around town. We drove from Coralville to North Liberty to go to church for many years. And two or three years into doing that, someone told us, that there was a much faster way to drive from Coralville to North Liberty. Like, good to know. Uh, then when I was driving into town from Tiffin uh, to get down here, uh, when we were first starting the downtown church nine years ago, Ryan Simpson said, you know, there's a quicker way to get through downtown Iowa City if you go on through Church Street. Like, good to know. When you first move to town, you don't have all the information that you need. And it can be kind of disorienting. One of the things that is important to figure out when you move into a new community is where to find the good coffee, right? So you start out in a new community and you're like, oh, I passed the Starbucks, so there's one place with coffee. So maybe you start out by going to the Starbucks and the Caribou because you're familiar with those. Maybe you see a Panera and you're like, okay, I'm familiar with that. But you have to live here for a little while before you figure out where the good coffee is, right? where the good coffee is. And once you figure out where the good coffee is, you realize you can walk from this building just a few blocks and you can hit lots of good coffee before you even get to Starbucks or Panera. These are important things when you move to town. Not only can it be disorienting to move to a new community, but sometimes life can be something that is disorienting as well. We can find ourselves feeling lost. 
Maybe we find ourselves in a new stage of life. Maybe we start college for the first time or we start a grad program or get a real job or we get married or we have kids or whatever the case may be. In any new life stage, we can feel a sense of imposter syndrome. Like, what if people find out that I'm not as smart as they think I am? What if people uh, don't know that I don't know how to take care of a child? The nurse comes in and hands you a child and you're like, I don't know how to take care of a child. We feel a sense of disorientation or imposter syndrome. We can feel a sense of confusion of just what am I doing with my life? Where am I headed? Sometimes we can get what we've always wanted and we can feel disappointed or stressed by the things that we've always wanted. Life has these disorienting moments and we need a sense of how to get around. We need a sense of what is true. We need a sense of true north, right? We need a sense of where am I headed? What what are my bearings? And how do I make sense of what's going on in my life? Well, tonight, I believe that we can find that, not just for moving to Iowa City, but something much more profound. We can find what we are looking for in life when we get disoriented, lost, and confused. Would you pray with me? And then we'll look into the text for these answers. Heavenly Father, thank you for this chance we have to worship you tonight, to hear from your word. God, we pray that you would speak. God, we want to be people of the word because the word shows us, Father, who you are. The word shows us who Jesus is. The word shows us who we are. The word shows us what the good news of the gospel is. The word shows us that the kingdom has come and is coming. God, we pray that you would speak powerfully through your word, not just tonight, but as we enter into this semester, that we would truly be people of the word. We would be people of gospel truth, and we would be your good news people. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible is split up into two sections, the Old Testament and in the New. The Old Testament is the time that prophesies that Jesus will come, and then the New Testament is the story of Jesus coming, and then the letters that describe to the church what kind of people they should be based on what Jesus has done. In the Old Testament, we open up the book of Jeremiah, and we read this promise that the Lord gives to his people. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 33 and 34. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I remember their sin no more. In very quick summary, stick around for 2023. We're going to go a much more expanded view of what I'm about to say in a few sentences. In 2023, the spring semester, we're going to go through a survey of the whole Old Testament. I'm going to give you like three sentences, but come back for the expanded version. Uh, In short, God had made a covenant with his people. God had chosen a people for himself. God had set apart the people of Israel and said, these are my people and I am going to use them to show the world who I am. Now he is saying, a day will come when I will make a new covenant with my people. And he tells us a couple things about this new covenant. He tells us that he will put his law within them. He will write it on their hearts. And he says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. He says that no longer will the law be on tablets, no longer will they have to go to the temple to worship, but 
I will write my law on their very hearts and I will go with them wherever they go by sending my spirit to live among them, to live inside of them. He prophesies that this will come and God shows us who he is. He shows us a few things about who he is, a few quick things. We can know from this passage and many others in the Old and New Testament, God is revealing himself to first off be knowable. Knowable. There's a God who made everything. There's a God who made you. There's a God who ordained that you would be sitting in this building here tonight. And not only that, you can know him. It would be one thing if the Bible described to us a God that was amazing, but we couldn't really know him. Or we could know facts about him, but we couldn't have a relationship with him. Here God says, you can know who I am, and not only just facts about me, you can have a relationship with me. You can have an experiential knowledge with who I am. Much of the world walks around wondering if there is a God or having a conception of a God. But at the end of the day, many people determine, if there's a God, I can't know who he is. He's not knowable. Here, the God of the Bible is saying, I am knowable. The second thing that he says about himself is that he is active. He is active. He didn't just create the world and set it into motion and then stand back and watch. No, he is actively involved in the lives of his people. He selects a people for himself. He gives them the law. He gives them the kings. He gives them the prophets. He gives them the temple. And then he says, one day I'm going to bring in a new covenant. I'm going to write it on their hearts. I'm going to be among them. Look how active God is throughout the Old and the New Testament. The third thing that we see about this God is that this God is speaking to his people. He is not silent. He didn't just say a bunch of things hundreds and thousands of years ago. He is speaking in the Old Testament. He is speaking in the New Testament. And he says he is still speaking today. And lastly, he is forgiving. Look at verse 34 up on the screen. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. This is the key to the whole thing. This is why it's called good news. This is why we're gathered here right now. Because here's the thing, if there is a God who created everything and he is knowable, he is active, and he is speaking, and he is holy, but we can't be forgiven of our sins, if we can't be forgiven of us falling short of that goodness, of that glory, of that love, if we can't be forgiven of who we are and the things that we have done as individuals and as a society, then it's all for naught. Then he is just some far off God that we can't hope to have a relationship with him or to know him. This God that is describing himself in the word, we need to know this God Because we need all of these things in our life. We need to be known and to know. We need a God who is actively involved in our daily activities. We need a God who is speaking and giving us direction and wisdom and telling us about who he is and who we are and the way the world works and what we can expect in the world to come. And we need a God that forgives us of our sin of how we fall short of his glory and society's standards and the standards we have for ourselves. 
He chose to show us all that he is and all of these things and give us these things through his word. We can know who he is because of his word, his words, the things that he has spoken about us, about himself, about the way the world works. We need what is being described up here on the screen. So the question then becomes, how do we get this? How do we make this a part of our life? How do we make it something that isn't just a, a book of facts, like a history book, but is a part of our everyday lives? We're going to talk about how we get this from a biblical and a theological sense. And then we're going to talk about how we access this uh, more concretely, day in and day out. What does it look like to be a people of the word in action. So please turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Pastor Jeff read it for us as we are beginning here, but we'll look it up together. Romans chapter 10, 14 through 17, or 13, excuse me, 13 through 17. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I'll put up on, here on the screen some highlights of what I just read. How do we get this? This passage is telling us it's from hearing, believing, knowing, sharing the word of who God is. This is how we get this God. This is how we know this God. This is how we know he's knowable. He's active. He's forgiving. He's speaking to us. We know by his word preached, heard, believed, taught, shared, lived out with one another. It's what James was referring to in the book of James as we just studied the book of James throughout the summer. James lays out for us some of the things we need to understand this word. So as we turn to James, we see the first thing we see is we need humility. Humility, meekness is what James calls it. He says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. James uses an example here of how we fall short of God's glory, how we feel, fall short of loving our neighbor. We do it in three ways. He lists off here. We need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, and that being angry does not bring about the righteousness of God. So he's giving us a concrete example of how we fall short of God's standard and of society's standard for humanity. And he says the anecdote to overcoming this is receiving with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So the first thing that we need is a humility. And the reason that this is so important, having this humility or this meekness in the words of James, is first we have to realize that we're lost. 
first we have to realize that we're lost. If you just act like you know what you're doing and you're just walking down the street because you're like, I know where Starbucks is, I'm going to go get my coffee. If you act like you know where you're going, then you can't receive help. You first have to know you're lost. And to know you're lost, you have to be humble enough to say, I'm lost. We struggle with this sometimes, right? All the time, I would say. We hate saying we're lost, whether it's driving directions, walking directions, or if we're talking about big meta life things, we hate saying, I'm lost. I don't know what I'm doing. This is part of that imposter syndrome. Inside of us, we're like, I don't know what I'm doing, but we don't want to say, I don't know what I'm doing. Because someone is paying us or someone is paying our education or someone is believing in us or trusting in us and we're supposed to know what we're doing. But internally we're thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. We need to have the humility to say, I'm lost. Because life is disorienting. And we're hearing all kinds of messages from people around us, from the culture around us, from something inside of us. We hear it from church people. We hear it on TV. We see it in shows. We hear it in music. We see it on social media. We hear all these different things and we get disoriented. And we realize that we're lost and we don't know what the good life is. We don't know how to overcome what's inside of us. We don't know how to overcome our difficulties and we get lost. The first thing we need to do is admit, I'm lost. This is not working. The things that I'm trying to overcome this confusion and this hurt and this sin and this suffering, these negative emotions, the things that I'm trying aren't working. I'm lost. So first, to know God, we have to realize that we're lost, disoriented, and that we need help. And then, according to this section in Romans 10, the next thing that we need to do is we need to read the word. Again, Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We need to admit we're lost, and then we need to go to the God who made the world and everything in it. We need to go to the God that knit us together in our mother's womb. We need to go to the God that created everything, that's knowable, that's speaking, that is acting in our world, and a God that is actively wanting to forgive us of our sins and give us that help and help us overcome that confusion. In meekness, in humility, we receive the implanted word of God that's able to save our souls. How are we saved? Through hearing and believing the word of God. So we read it for ourselves. We hear it preached. Someone else tells us about it. Right now, outside, folks from different student ministries, crew was out there earlier, now navigators and some folks from Grace are out there, and they're having people fill out spiritual interest surveys. They're also giving away popsicles. But they're also getting... Spiritual interest surveys. Navigators told me that they have had 900 surveys filled out this week already. They're expecting hundreds more tonight. The idea is to have those students fill out a spiritual interest survey and then someone from Navigators or Crew or Grace gets in touch with those students and offers to meet with them or invites them to church or invites them to a student ministry night. And the idea is that then they would hear the word of God that they would hear the word of God. 
that they would hear the word of God taught, they would hear the word of God shared, they would see the love of God and the word of God lived out in the lives of believers. They would see that God is speaking and active and forgiving and knowable as they hear the word of God and as they see it in our lives. So second, how do we get this? How do we have a relationship with this God by reading the word? Next, by believing it. James goes on to say, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The next thing is we believe it. We say, you know what? The words that I'm hearing, the words that I'm reading, the things that I'm seeing lived out by believers, I believe that it's true. I believe that it's real and I'm going to give my life to it. That's the next step in this. James is saying it's not just knowing the word, it's doing it that shows that we believe. We have to believe the word, not just assent to it mentally, not just cognitively assent to it, but to really believe it. That's the next step. We believe it. The spirit of the living God shows us this is true. He unblinds our eyes and we see the beauty of the gospel. We see the beauty of God's plan for us. We see what we previously could not see before. Next, the book of James would tell us that we do it. Again, be doers of the word. It shows that we really believe it when we are doers of the word. Now that my eyes have been unblinded, I no longer have to drink Starbucks, right? I first realized I had coffee probably very beginning of high school. My parents didn't drink coffee, so I wasn't really around it. It was just something like my grandparents drank and they drank nasty instant coffee or coffee with lots and lots and lots of cream, like equal parts cream and coffee. And so I didn't have coffee around in the house, but I discovered in early high school that I liked it. And so I bought my first can of coffee and I bought this tin can full of Maxwell House coffee. It was French vanilla. And I made it in just like a a drip coffee maker and I kept that tin in the freezer and I would get it out when I wanted to make coffee. I probably made it too weak. It was probably, it was very bad. I know it was bad. It was coming out of the freezer. It was French vanilla. Just no, 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 no. That's, that's how I started out drinking and making coffee for myself. And then I I graduated up to having a latte with some syrup in it at the local coffee shop and worked my way up to the point where I no longer drink Maxwell House coffee. I know (laughs) there's some people applauding for me. Thank you for the encouragement. Um, I no longer can stomach gas station coffee, right? I've gotten to the point where I'm a snob about coffee. I'll just say it about myself. I'm a snob about coffee. I like very good coffee. Ground the right way. Good beans ground the right way. Prepared the right way. Served at the right temperature from the right single origin country, right? Like I I know all the things now and now I'm a snob about coffee because of what I've experienced. 
because I've experienced that there's something better than that tin can of Maxwell House coffee. I'm a believer. And now I do coffee a certain way. When we believe something, it changes what we do and it changes how we live. See, what I believe has altered my behavior. What we believe changes what we do. What we believe compels our behavior. In order to be a church or a community that obeys God, we have to believe that we know the good news of who he is and what he has done. And that what God has done for us and what he has for us is our highest good and that nothing else can satisfy. That everything else is the tin can Maxwell house in the freezer. And he has something so much better for us. So we believe it and then we do what he says and then we share it with other people. I am a coffee evangelist now. If people tell me they don't like coffee, I'm like, well, you haven't had good coffee, clearly. In my uh, wife's family, if people hear that I made the coffee as opposed to someone else making the coffee, everybody runs up and says, oh yes, I love it when Jason makes the coffee. I, I just make it like strong enough That's all I do, but it's fantastic to all of them, except my father-in-law, who, if he doesn't hear who made the coffee and he takes a drink, he goes, did Blackley make this coffee? And then he goes and dumps it out or fills the rest of the cup with water. No, 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 no. This is not, this is not good. When we believe something is good news, we share it with other people. We want other people to experience what we have shared in. We want other people to experience the goodness that we have tasted of. We have tasted and we have seen that the Lord is good. And if we believe that it's really good news, we're going to want to share it with other people. We're going to want to demonstrate and declare that it is good news. We're going to want to show it and we're going to want to tell it everywhere that we go. So how do we do this as a church? How do we do this and be a people of the word. We're going to get very practical here. The first thing that we need to do is call on the name of the Lord. Have you called on the name of the Lord in order to be saved? Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In Acts 17 we read that God sets the exact times and places where we should live so that we would reach out and find him. God has you in Iowa City or visiting Iowa City here tonight so that you would be in this room tonight to hear the good news of the gospel. And he wants you to reach out and find help, find salvation, find this God that is knowable and forgiving and active and speaking in our world. And now he is active and speaking in your life. Every one of you in here can know God is speaking to me tonight. Have you called on the name of the Lord in order to be saved? First, admit that you're lost. Next, hear the good news, which you are tonight, and then believe that it's good news and it's something you need and call on the name of the Lord. First, we have to do that. First, we have to be saved. Then we can go about doing these other things to be people of the word. Next, learn from sound teaching. 
learn from sound teaching. There is a sanctifying, discipling work that comes from week by week sitting under sound teaching. Sitting under sound teaching where the good news of the gospel and the word of God is being preached and rightly taught in a way that makes Jesus look like he is glorious and great and the gospel look like good news. Sit under sound teaching on a weekly basis. Want to point out, if you are not here every week, which is basically none of you, no one's here every week, um, because everyone's not from Iowa City, seemingly, and so we travel a lot, that kind of thing, you can catch our sermons, the downtown-specific sermons, whoever, whichever one of our pastors preaches here, you can uh, catch our podcasts, and you can hear the sermon every week, so you can hear the Word of God preached on a weekly basis, even when you're out of town. Learn from sound teaching. Next, read it for yourself. Read it for yourself. We want to be people in the word. That means that we don't just come once a week to hear sound teaching and say we're people of the word. That's a component. That's one of the six things I'm going to talk about here. It's one part of it. But to really be people of the word, we have to be soaking in, saturating in the word of God. One way that we're going to do that this semester is by going through our study through the book of First Peter. We're going through First Peter as a church. We're going to start preaching on it Labor Day weekend, but we're going to start studying it tomorrow. Tomorrow, which is August 22nd. The idea is that we are studying it for ourselves. We are hearing from God's word, hearing from God's spirit. Then we're meeting in our community groups or our Bible studies around 1 Peter and we are reading it together and we're talking about what God is teaching us and then we come and hear the sermon about it afterwards. The idea is that we would be people of the word not just because of the sermons we hear but reading it for ourselves, hearing from the Spirit, wrestling with it in community, trying to live it out, sharing it with others, oh, and also hearing the sound teaching in the sermon as well. So the first Peter study, we have 40 new booklets back there. We gave away quite a bit last week, but right at the back of this section, there's a table with 40 first Peter studies. It walks you through um, the book of first Peter. There's a schedule in each one that tells you when we're going to preach on what section, and it walks you through a few questions about each section of 1 Peter. It has some group discussion questions for your community group or to gather people together and study God's word together. Grab that 1 Peter study. If you'd like a PDF copy, you can find that on our website as well. But go ahead and get started tomorrow studying 1 Peter together and let's be people of the word in our dorms, in our living rooms, at our kitchen tables sitting on the bus as we read God's word on our phone. I am really excited for this time for all of us to be reading God's word together and sharing what he is showing us. So go ahead and get started with that study tomorrow. And then as we read the good news, we do what it says. We do what it says. You know the church that you've been looking for and waiting for your whole life? The church that you have been looking for, the church that you have been waiting for your whole life is the church that obeys God. That's the church that you need to belong to. 
That's the church that we need to be. And we're only going to be as good as if we are obeying God's word or not. If we're really believing the good news and then we're doing what God tells us to do, that's going to make us a great church. Not by our definition or the world's definition or some made-up metric of what a good church is. If we are obeying God's word in faithfulness, we'll be fruitful by his definition and we'll be, quote-unquote, a successful church and it will be the church that we've always wanted. That's what it looks like. And that's for all of us. From the elders all the way down to the youngest child, the more we are doing God's word, obeying God's word, we will look like the church that he wants us to be. An amazing transformation takes place in our lives and in our church and in our community when we stop trying to live up to God's love for us and we let him transform us through his word, through his spirit, through his people. We want to help you be equipped to know and to believe and to do God's word. So um, we're going to do the first Peter study. We're going to gather in our community groups and talk about what God is showing us through his word. But we also are going to be providing between us and our congregation in North Liberty some equipping opportunities for us over the next school year. So we have some Sunday morning classes called Thrive that take place in North Liberty where we can learn more about what God's word says and we can learn more about at a leadership level like how to teach God's word, help people with God's word, share God's word, be engaged in missional living. Those are a few of the classes we have. We are going to have downtown specific classes over the next year. Uh, We are going to have one seminar or class on parenting We're going to have one this winter called Theology 101. In the spring, we're going to have one for marriages. And then uh, heading into next summer, we're going to have one to equip you as a leader in the church of God. Because we want to make sure we are being equipped to do God's word together. Next, to be people of the word, we talk about it with others. We talk about it with others. We talk about what God is doing in our lives. A switch that we've made this year is doing this First Peter study in such a way that when you meet in your community groups, you're not just sharing your opinion on who gave the sermon. The question is no longer, what did you think of the sermon? Or what did you think when Brooks or Josh or Jason or whoever said this? No, you're going to be talking about First Peter before you have a chance to hear what the pastor said about First Peter. So you're going to have to have some thoughts of your own. You're going to have to have some original ideas of what the Spirit is showing you as you read God's Word together. In January, we're going to go all in on this in the spring semester. In January, we're instructing our community group leaders for next semester to only ask one question at community group. And that question is, what is God teaching you through His Word? That's it. That's going to be what we do in community groups is just sharing what is God teaching you through his word because we want to be people that hear from God's word and we talk about it with other people. We talk about what God is doing in our lives. And lastly, we share the good news. If we believe that the gospel is good news, we will share it because we naturally share good news. Do we really believe in the power of the blood and the name and the salvation of Jesus? 
Do we really believe the things that we sang tonight and we sing each Sunday night? Do we really believe in the power of the gospel? Do we really believe that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, according to Romans 1, 16? If we really believe that it's powerful and we really believe that it is good news, then we will demonstrate and declare that it is good with our very lives. That's what our lives are to be about. We're going to do that this fall. We're doing it right now. We've had people outside giving away popsicles and helping get surveys outside. There's a few things that we're going to do. You've seen this probably already. Uh, We're a couple weeks into this now, but tonight we have our giveaway of popsicles to students. On September 11th, we're having a theological panel specifically designed to be helpful to students or new people to town or to our church. And then on September 25th, we'll have our meal where we'll invite everyone to stick around after church uh, to have a meal with us. We're also going to make it easier for people to invite their friends even during the service to come and join them for the meal after the service as well. These events, these things that we're doing are all designed to welcome people to town, to welcome people into our church, to be hospitable towards people that are coming into our community so we can let them know, hey, this is what we're about and this is the good news that we have to share with you. A little bit more about the theological panel that we're doing. It's called Faith and Feelings, talking about the intersection of faith and feelings and how our emotions interact with our faith. It's going to be an awesome time. Uh, I'll let you guys know who all is participating. Uh, Bo is going to be our moderator for this event. He's put a lot of time uh, and energy into thinking through these concepts of faith and feelings. Then our uh, distinguished panel is going to be uh, our very own Amy Marino as our church soul care director. She's going to be sitting on the panel. Uh, Then one of our founding pastors here at Grace Downtown, Dan Bovenmeyer, will be here and sitting on the the panel, which should be fun. And then um, we are also going to have Mandy Mattis. She was formerly Mandy Winkleblack in college. Many of you know her from her days in crew, but now she is a full-time licensed mental health professional uh, at Journey Counseling Services in North Liberty. So a great panel of folks that I can't wait to hear what they have to say on faith and feelings. These are just a few ways that we hope to be good news people. To be those that believe the good news of the gospel and share it with others because we believe that it's good news. What we've looked at here tonight, this is what it looks like to be people of the word. I want to encourage you to take active steps to get into the word for yourself. Do this first Peter study uh, alone and with others. And let's continue to see what it looks like to be his good news people as we are people of the word. Would you stand with me tonight? We end every night here at Grace Downtown on our feet as our communication to the Lord that we are ready to obey him with our hands and our feet, not just with our lips, not just with our minds, not just with our songs. I want to encourage you to obey in a couple of specific ways as he leads you here tonight. Uh, We started this last week. This is going to be a feature every single week that we are going to have folks, men and women, available up here for intercessory prayer. So if you would like someone to pray with before you leave here tonight, I want to encourage you to come up. We'll have some folks up here ready to pray with you. No need is too small. 
and no need is too big to come forward for prayer. Anything that you want to praise God for, anything that you want to cry out to him for, please come forward. We would love to pray with you and pray for you. A second area where uh, I pray that the Lord would prompt you to just obey him is what does this look like to be a person of the word? What does it look like for us to be people of the word? And what are some active steps that he'd like you to take to that end? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've said here tonight. Thank you that in you we find words of life. God, we want to be people of the word because you have good news for us. God, I pray that we would just admit our lostness and we would call on the name of the Lord to be saved. And then, Jesus, as you save us, forgive us, redeem us, we pray that we would be your good news people, believing your word, doing your word, and sharing the good news of the gospel. God, show us what it looks like to be a church that obeys you and submits to your word and shares what you're doing in our lives with others. God, we want to be your good news people. Thank you that you go before us and behind us. Thank you that you are here with us. God, we pray that you would do a great work through these surveys with the college ministries, a a good work through popsicles being given away. God, we pray that we would be a people that welcomes people in the same way Christ has welcomed us. It's in his good name that we pray. Amen.